Today and Friday, in England and all the Commonwealth, we are celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, an unbelievable 70 years as Queen. Her reign has witnessed stunning changes, but none more stunning than abortion and many of the other evils she has been forced to sign off on. Well, that's what we're going to be discussing on this episode of The John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Before we begin, let me invite you to our 25th anniversary of LifeSite News. We're having a celebration in Naples, Florida. Please go visit gala25.lifesitenews.com to learn more about it. All of the expenses for this are being covered by sponsorships and ticket sales, and it's going to be awesome. We have Jim Caviezel speaking. We have Jason Jones emceeing. You're going to want to come out and see all the folks. In 1850, my namesake, John Henry Cardinal Newman, published the following terrifying and striking words, and I'll quote them for you. The Catholic Church holds it better for the sun and moon to drop from heaven, for the earth to fail, and for all the many millions on it to die of starvation in extremist agony. As far as temporal affliction goes, rather than one soul, I will not say should be lost, but should commit one single venial sin, should tell one willful untruth, or should steal one poor farthing without excuse. End quote. Now, that published text was from a lecture on the topic of certain difficulties which Anglicans felt about becoming Catholics. He actually repeated this same text again in his famous biography in 1864. So, in fact, he said it three times. And let's make sure we understand what it means. The Catholic Church holds it better that all these terrible things would happen rather than just one person committing one willful, venial sin. That's actually how evil sin is. Even just venial sin. That should make us all shudder. And this text from Cardinal Newman is perhaps just a more vivid way of saying shorter phrases, which we all know. The ends don't justify the means, or we can't do evil that good may come of it. So, I'm going to say some things today which are going to be perhaps unpopular. Here in Canada, we think of our leader as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He's the leader of the government, a position which we influence by voting. But in fact, the monarch is still Queen Elizabeth II, the Queen of the United Kingdom. You might know, certainly our friends in England can't miss it with all the Union flags everywhere, that this weekend is the celebration of the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth. She's 70 years of her coronation. So there are lots of celebrations going on. Queen Elizabeth is held up as really a, almost a heroine, one of the few remaining world figures who will actually name our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many think of the Queen as some kind of just figurehead. In a certain sense, she is. 
She does not directly, at least not openly, engage in any decisions about politics or life of the country, or really any of the Commonwealth countries either. Or even in England and the UK, for that matter, if, if she wields any influence at all, it's, it's really behind the scenes. But actually, there's a lot more going on here. There's some complex historical and legal things which we won't go into here, which make Canada's situation a bit different to how it is in the UK, but there are definitely points of comparison. The United Kingdom is not a republic like the United States, it's a constitutional monarchy. And so are we in many senses here in Canada. What this means is that the Crown has drawn back the exercise of its powers and in practice, allowed the machinery of government to function as if it were a democracy. It's something that looks and acts like a separation of powers, but in fact, they're all working in the name of the crown, in the name of Her Majesty the Queen. In theory, she could end this arrangement and start ruling like a proper monarch at any time. But I'm telling you this to make clear that nothing is made law by the UK House of Parliament or by Boris Johnson's government. These bodies hash out the bill, and then it is presented to her for royal assent, at which point it becomes law. In Canada, it's similar, actually, because bills receive royal assent in the Queen's name from other officials like the Governor-General or his deputies. By convention, the Queen never refuses royal assent. For the last several centuries, this has been very rare across remaining monarchies of the world. The reason is obvious. If this happened, the appearance and facade of a democracy would disappear, and an unelected, hereditary leader would be interfering in the decisions of an elected body. Now, I'm not saying that that's good or bad. It's just what it is. But let's be clear about what it means. It means that when bills are presented to Queen Elizabeth, they do not become law until she gives them her assent. She has the power to prevent them from becoming law, albeit with, you know, there would be like a massive constitutional crisis that would, that would cause. And, and really, real politic means that these laws will find some other non-constitutional way in, in, in getting through, or even a revolution. So she also has another power, which she can exercise at any time. And that is the power to abdicate, to leave the throne. Now, if you're starting to feel uncomfortable, it's actually about to get worse. In 1967, Queen Elizabeth II was presented with what became the Abortion Act. As the name suggests, it is the act which made abortion legal in a wide set of situations up to about 28 weeks gestation. As a result of this act, England is set to have their 10 millionth abortion this year. That's 10 million unborn babies murdered thanks to abortion, which only became legal because of the royal assent given to that act in 1967. And there's no sign of this horror stopping. Would Roe v. Wade in 1973 have been possible without Queen Elizabeth's royal assent? to the Abortion Act? That's a very important question. Think about it. 1967 in England was the Abortion Act. Roe v. Wade only came in 1973, and England does lead the way in a lot of senses. Even in Canada, abortion only came in 1969, again following England. 
So I want you to imagine, just for a moment, being Queen Elizabeth. Don't think about the constitutional crisis. Don't think about the media or anything like that. It's just you, your royal seal, and this law. Could you give this law your assent? Well, would it not be better to face the consequences of a constitutional crisis than give your free assent to such an abomination? Or would it not be better to at least abdicate? But let's move on. In 1967, Queen Elizabeth gave her royal assent to what became the Sexual Offenses Act, and this legalized homosexual activity. In 2013, Queen Elizabeth consummated the work begun by this act by giving her royal assent to the bill which introduced homosexual marriage into law in England and Wales. The combination of these laws with other provisions of law means that children are being taught about these things in schools, and small businesses like bed and breakfasts and bakers are being penalized for not being equal enough. And again, this happened because of the royal assent given by Queen Elizabeth. Well, what else can we talk about? How about the royal assent to the 2008 law that allows scientists to make human-animal hybrids for stem cell research? And what about all the royal assent for the different divorce laws over the last 70 years? In 1969, the royal assent radically liberalized divorce laws in England and Wales, and further laws, all with royal assent, liberalized things further over the following decades. Last of all, let's recall the last few years. England seems to have been one of the better places to be under the COVID madness, but nonetheless, Queen Elizabeth gave royal assent to laws which allowed tyrannical government by ministers, along with everything we remember so well, allowing the government to lock everyone in their homes, restrict freedom of movement, close businesses, detain those suspected of COVID, close schools, and so on. And all of this happened because the Queen gave royal assent. Now, do you think that Queen Elizabeth will refuse royal assent to a bill mandating vaccines for her subjects, or a social credit system, or a one-child policy, or anything? Now, perhaps she thinks she has good reasons for this. Perhaps she thinks that it's better to retain her position in constitutional peace because in that way she can work some perhaps greater good or at least prevent further evils. But let's not kid ourselves with the idea that it could be better to assent so as to keep one's position, so as to continue exercising a good influence. 10 million dead babies is bad enough. How much is your good influence behind the scenes worth in the face of 10 million dead babies and counting? And if the cost of maintaining some higher good is 10 million dead babies, then all these immoral laws and the toleration of absolute tyranny under COVID, what exactly is being conserved or preserved here anyway? I don't say this in judgment. I don't know the state of her soul. I wish her good in this life and in the next, but we're talking about the facts here. Others might say that these laws would have gone through with or without her assent, that not only would she cause a constitutional crisis, but also she would be unable to stop them anyway. But you know what? That's irrelevant. Let's deal with what's real, not with what's fictional or counterfactual scenarios. These terrible, 
immoral laws, because actually unjust laws, no law at all. But these so-called laws were passed with her royal assent. She has chosen to cooperate with them. It's nonsense to say that she had no choice, even if the crushing pressures and reality of her situation are unknown to mere subjects. We can have compassion on her state, even while being real. To paraphrase St. Thomas More in the film A Man for All Seasons, he said, and I quote, Your Majesty, it profits a man nothing to give his soul for the whole world, but for the crown. And that's what's interesting here, even if we don't know the state of her soul. Not the legal consequences of her ascent, but Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth herself, and what she has done to herself by all these compromises and assent given to evil through her reign. So this Jubilee weekend, if you're benefiting from the holidays, enjoying them, but be aware of what you're celebrating. And even more than anything, for we have a duty in piety to pray for our rulers. Pray for the Queen. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. May God bless you.